Foods contain hundreds of nutrients and other components that influence health. People eat diets that contain dozens of different foods and we rarely discuss studies in terms of a broad dietary context. People tend to focus on single nutrients. These are the studies that get funded and the results get the headlines. This is considered reductionary science. It's easy to see how vitamin E and its effect on heart disease are related instead of looking at a dietary pattern and how the whole pattern might affect heart disease. The greatest beneficiary of the confusion is the food industry. Food and drinks have trade associations or PR firms, and it's their job to promote a positive image. These groups and their lobbyists take advantage of single nutrient research to claim their products that contain that nutrient is better. If you're confused, you'll accept their claim. And these claims show up on their labels. Well, who's in charge? The FDA is in charge of safety, and the FTC, which is the Federal Trade Commission, promotes business competition. So in 1954, the FDA retained regulatory authority of label statements. The FTC assumed responsibility for ensuring fairness of food advertisements. The problem is that the FTC permitted statements in advertising that the FDA did not permit on labels. Up until 1984, food labels could not make a health claim or else it would be considered a drug. The FDA was under pressure from the National Food Processors Association, Food Processors Association, and the argument was that if they couldn't make claims about their food, it would hurt their sales. So for example, in 1984, Kellogg's all-brand cereal box said, quote, the National Cancer Institute believes eating the right food may reduce your risk of cancer, unquote. They didn't say their food, they just said the right food. The FDA attempted to block that statement, but failed. So at this time, the FDA began to develop regulations for claims that could be used on labels. So in 1987, they issued a proposal to permit health claims on labels. They had to meet six criteria and they could not be misleading. The Reagan administration held up the implementation of those rules for three years. So during that three years, it was pretty much a free-for-all. So by 1989, 40% of all new food products contained a health message. This ended in 1990. Congress passed the Nutrition Labeling and Education Act. This allowed the FDA to identify six possible health claims, each implied reduction of risk. So calcium and osteoporosis, salt and blood pressure, fat and heart disease and cancer, and increased fiber, heart disease, and cancer. Well, the industry didn't like it and said it was too restrictive. So 1991, the USDA and the FDA released a joint 600-page federal register notice proposing definitions, portion sizes, health claims for labels uh, of packaged food, meat, and poultry. George Bush delayed this for one year. He wanted the USDA to think about labeling meat so people could see how much fat and cholesterol was in it. If they could see it, they might not want to buy it. All major food lobbying groups were complaining. They thought labels would make some products look better than others. So what we had is in 1992, revisions were made. In 1993, the final rules were established for exactly what could be on a label. So again, 1993, Nutrition, Labeling, and Education Act was finalized, and it defined what had to be on a label. They required on nearly all processed foods and meats, 
Most stores also have to provide information for most fresh meats, fruits, and vegetables. Some foods do not require a label at all, and those are the foods that have very few ingredients, things like coffee, tea, or spices. Um, also, food prepared and sold in the same establishment does not have to provide a label. The first thing you'll see is serving size. Um, nutrient info provided serving size. Uh, the FDA has chosen a size based on what people typically consume. All serving sizes for similar products must be the same. So all beverages are eight ounces. All ice cream is half a cup. The label you're looking at is for mac and cheese. The label says two servings. So the facts panel applies to one serving. So if you eat the entire box, you have to multiply everything by two. Because we have a standard serving size, this allows you to compare and look for nutrient density or look for certain things uh, that you want in your diet. The thing you'll see on the far right is percent daily value. These are generic standards used on food labels. They apply to ages four through adult. There's no gender categories, and it's basically a condensed RDA. This estimates how individual foods contribute to the total diet. These are based on a 2,000 calorie diet. This applies to moderately active women, teenage girls, and sedentary men. The diet breakdown is also 30% fat, 60% carbohydrate, and 10% protein. This means I can eat 65 grams of fat, 300 grams of carbohydrate, and 50 grams of protein. Most of us don't eat an exactly 2,000 calorie diet that's 30, 60, 10. So these are rough estimates. If you look at the bottom of the label, you'll notice that it has percent daily values for 2,500 calories. This applies to men, teenage boys, and active women. We'll work on calculating your own percent daily value in class, but the formula for percent daily value is grams in the product divided by grams you can have in a day. These percent daily values can be used on front of package labeling. Uh, so if you look on some of these packages, it's kind of small, but you should be able to point it out. And then of course the text also says, um, if percent daily value something is 5%, it's considered a low source. If it is 10 to 19%, it is a good source. And if it's 20% or above, it's a high or excellent source. So if you're looking on the front of a box and it says low, good, or high, that applies to percent daily value. That brings us just to this general idea of front of package labeling. Um, this sells products. Food manufacturers love them and they need them. The FDA thinks they're too confusing and some stores even make up their own. There's check marks, spots, tokens, banners. The Institute of Medicine issued a report about front of package labeling and right now they're not regulated, but what they would like to have on the front is basic information, calories, sodium, saturated fat, total fat. These are the most directly related to the nation's major health problems, obesity, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and some cancers. So if you look at that progressive suit cam in the figure, there's a green banner. Package, packages can still make nutrient content claims in these banners. So it contains eight vitamins, 100% vitamin C. The next thing we need to look at is ingredient list. I'm sure you all realize that basically the ingredients list is in order predominating by weight. So you can see on this particular slide that it's for bread. That whole wheat flour is the first ingredient, then water, and then sweetener. We'll get into much more detail about bread in class. 
something else to think about for the ingredients list. If you look at the bottom of the list, it has things like additives for flavor and color. The FDA does not require companies to disclose the ingredients of their additives as long as they are generally regarded as safe. That means companies can maintain their secret formula, but people don't know what's in that flavor compound. If you look at the ingredients list on this particular label, it has milk, sugar, non-fat milk, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup. Basically, there's different names for sugar. So one is issue of sugars on a label, this label says 28 grams. I don't know if that's natural sugar or added sugar. The only way to know is to look at the ingredients list because you know high fructose corn syrup is added. The other thing about sugar is most people look to see if it's first on the ingredients list. Um, if I don't want it to be on the top of the list as a manufacturer, I'll provide multiple different sugars. So they're all in a smaller quantity, so they all move down the list. Because remember, the list predominates by weight. So lots of parents look at the list, and as long as sugar isn't first, they assume it's okay. But most people don't know all the names for sugar. As for fat on a label, they have to have calories from fat, saturated fat and trans fat, Typically, there's also cholesterol. This label actually shows polyunsaturated and monounsaturated fat. Right now, that doesn't have to be on that label. Some of these definitions are going to come up in the end, and we'll talk about them in class. But here's some examples of how health sells on the front of a package. These packages say reduced fat, fat-free, low-fat. These words are defined by the FDA. Most people assume fat-free actually means zero or none. What it does mean is a half a gram or less per serving. So if you ate one serving, you would eat less than half a gram. But if you eat four servings, it would be much more. So again, zero, non, free doesn't actually mean zero. Meat packaging can be confusing. There's not a facts label. They just tell you how much fat is in there. There's two ways we can do this. You can use the terms lean or extra lean. Lean equals less than 10% of fat by weight. Extra lean equals less than 5% of fat by weight. Or they can use a percentage. This package says 85% lean. That means the additional 15% is fat. If the package was lean, lean being less than 10%, what would the percentage on that package actually be? This is a protein label. Protein has grams, but there's not a percent daily value. Protein doesn't have to provide a percent daily value unless it makes some sort of health claim about protein on the package. Here are some FDA-defined definitions. So again, fat-free, or other words that can be used will be without, no, none, zero. Remember again, that's less than half a gram per serving. Low calorie is 40 calories Per serving or less. Low fat is 3 grams per serving or less. High fiber equals 5 grams or more per serving. The word natural is actually not a regulated term. Anybody can use it and we'll talk about this a little bit more in class. Uh, organic we will talk about in more detail in class. Uh, the definition of organic depends on the product. It can mean lots of things but the the picture you see in the upper right corner that's the National Organic Program symbol. That means it meets standards for organic foods. So avoiding chemicals, 
uh, fertilizers, pesticides, uh, antibiotics, uh, and the use of sewage and sludge. It also means that the farmland is free of chemicals for three plus years. Organic foods, organic foods production act for labeling also has different standards. So we'll go over these in class, but there's a difference between something that says 100% organic, organic, or made with organic ingredients. Here's what we know is that people will pay 50 to 100% more for organic products. Uh, in 1990, sales were $1 billion. In 2010, they were $26.7 billion. If you're worried about things being locally grown, organic obviously does not mean locally grown. Organic can come from anywhere. Start to think about what some of these words mean. What does it mean to have organic eggs or beef or poultry? What does it mean when something is cage-free? These are things that you're going to have homework on and we'll talk about again, but just start to, to put some thought into that. Mm -hmm.